This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy the show. It is the Chicago First podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists and industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black. Welcome to Chicago. Haima Black at South by Southwest Music 2016, and I'm here with one of two staples that I have at every South by. Uh, the first is Martin Adkins, and I talked with Martin Adkins a couple days ago. I've spoken to him every year at South by, I think for 60 years now. And the other, uh, Eric Scheinkoff from Music Dealers, uh, and this has got to be our third or fourth annual, like, consistent in a row interview at South by. How are you doing, man? Yeah, great. It's true. It's not South by if we don't get our time together. Yeah, so. exactly. Appreciate it. No, it's good. You have a lot of really cool things going on, and it's not just kind of business as usual for you. So we're going to talk about some of these cool new kind of projects and ventures you have. Uh, let's start with the new book. You have this new book, Return of the Hustle, The Art of Marketing with Music. And that just literally came out at South by today, right? Or like just this week? Yesterday. Yesterday yeah. was the release. It officially gets released uh, April 20th, um, so next month. But Barnes & Nobles hosted a, um, a pre-launch uh, yesterday and with South by, and it was, it's great. It's fantastic. So was that at the like the bookstore bookstore that they have set up uh, in the convention center? Yeah, and they, um, you know, we've got a lot of great supervisors and people that are actually at South by who contributed to the book. So it was nice that it wasn't just you know for me, but it was you know the whole book is a celebration of the craft of using music uh, in marketing, whether it's to get people to watch your television show more frequently or to get them to go to the box office when you have put out a new movie play your video games longer, you know, sell more product. So those people are all here learning, and uh, it was great to celebrate with them yesterday. Well, and just the idea of marketing with music, I mean, that's really kind of the core concept that you've based kind of the better part of, I mean, how long? Yeah, your life. Like, that's one of the core concepts of your life. So, you know, was this kind of an overdue thing to really put that idea that you've dedicated so much time into in a book? Yeah, it was um, it was absolutely that. Two years ago, I was able to co-author a book, and I and at the time I couldn't get my thoughts together uh, the way I wanted to. But I introduced a marketing theory called social empowerment, and it was about the idea that brands have to learn from the failings of the music industry. Um, that when product music flooded the market, consumers didn't care which label it came from. So labels lost any connection with the consumer. They lost control, they lost power, they lost revenue. Um, And now that it's easier for products to be manufactured, distributed, marketed, uh, brands are going through something very similar. As our television shows, you know, it used to be CBS, ABC, um, and now, you know, have endless choice. Uh, So using music to create a better bond with your consumer that goes beyond the product, beyond the television show itself, has been, you know, that was what we released uh, two years ago, that concept, and then now this is a formula um, based on how to use music to attract, immerse people in an experience, and extend the relationship after the credits roll. Right on. So the book is out now at South By, and you were meeting with people. Uh, what was the response like when you were, like, putting this in front of people? It's cool. It's good. I mean, you know, this was based on um, specifically 26 different case studies, everything from you know, the CMO of Airbnb in here to the guys at Coke to, you know, Vampire Diaries and all these great television shows. So like really serious brands examples. Yeah. 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 And so we were able to take those 26 um, kind of core case studies and break down uh, what is the formula to get to get success, to have success in using music. Um, so it, it's been really nice. It's the first time I think that there's ever kind of a step-by-step. It's a it's an eight-step customer journey broken into three main sections, and I think anybody could follow it at this point. 
you know, to have a better chance of uh, getting attention on their product. So who is the book facing then? Like, it sounds like it could be facing, obviously, like brands, but is it also like consumer facing entrepreneurs if they wanted to get into marketing with music or kind of who is this book aimed at? Well, I think anybody could pick something up from it. Uh, If you're a musician, you know, to understand what the people who are using your music, why they value it, why they care. Um, But at the end of the day, this is for brands and this is for marketing, um, both students as well as brand managers. Uh, So people who want to get a a better return to sell more product, you know, the book kicks off with a case study that we did um, with McDonald's where we placed this band, um, hip hop trio, and a McDonald's commercial became the number one most Shazam commercial during the Olympics. Number three, uh, most viral songs on Spotify. Number six uh, on iTunes. Band went on its first U.S. tour, got signed to uh, Capital, and they thanked McDonald's like crazy. Now, McDonald's Chicken McNuggets, which was in the commercial, rose 18% over a declining baseline during the airing of that commercial. But McDonald's doesn't attribute that specifically to the band or to the music used. And it's not necessarily their fault, but there wasn't anything to tie back. How is music impacting the bottom line? What is the ROI um, on music? And, you know, that's getting people to tune into your television shows, play your video games longer, sell more product, but it's real. And it's never been kind of documented which makes you know, the music industry very ambiguous in, in terms of uh, how much are people going to pay for music. Right. Um, and the more that we could identify what the results of using music are, you know, the more you could charge ultimately um, for your music and value your music a little bit more. So let's talk about it kind of then looking at if you're a musician, what do you, why do you need to read this book and what are musicians missing that they could be using to benefit themselves? Yeah, so, you know, musicians need to understand the value of their art, and that value is changing where, you know, consumers, truthfully, just, you know, they're not paying for music anymore. We grow up in a world where you don't have to pay. You're not going to change that behavior. Um, So where, how can you use music as a transportation vehicle to make money in other avenues? And the number one way, you know, and the easiest way is sync, put it in a commercial, put it in a television show, um, and understanding why that works, why uh, the, the um, client would want to use your music, I think it's very valuable. And it's not to say you should change the way that you're writing your music or think about a sync first. That's not it at all. It's just once you have your art, how are you going to monetize it? How can you better uh, get it out there in front of more people? Yeah. And, you know, you kind of mentioned students as well, like kind of marketing focused students. Like, let's say you're 18, you're 21, you're 23, like you're in college and you're looking at music, you're looking at tech, you're looking at marketing as a career. Like, what in this book speaks to that kind of person? Well, I think it's one understanding uh, the options that you have to incorporate into marketing. Now, the social empowerment theory that, that you know, this book really hones in on and, and provides a formula for, it's, it's truthfully, it's not just music. It's understanding people's passions and how do you enhance people's experiences around those passions, whether it's sports, whether it's entertainment, whether it's fashion, whether it's health. Um, I focus on music because that's my passion. And music being the number one passion in the world universally is a very easy place for people to start. It's not a massive investment. Um, so just thinking about, okay, yeah, I'm going to put out a commercial or I'm going to put out this you know, ad or whatever it might be, you could layer in uh, different touch points and different levels of communication through the use of music. So I think it just gives you, you know, different ways to think about it as well. If you wanted to use music, uh, a step-by-step process to incorporate music into, into any, anything you're doing, trying to promote it. So the book is called Return of the Hustle, The Art of Marketing with Music. It's out now at South By, but remind us again when people could actually pick it up 
out in kind of the real world. <laughs> uh, the world outside of like 6th Street and badges. Yeah, exactly. 4-20, April 20th. Um, the publisher is releasing it to the world. You can get it pre-order now on Amazon or anywhere else, um, but it won't be shipped until uh, April 20th. And then, and then you can get it in any bookstore as well. Right on. So the other thing you have happening right now, I mean, you always have a lot happening, but this other really cool venture that you have just starting out right now, it's called Desire List. Um, and it's something you just kind of announced recently on Facebook, on your personal Facebook page. I'm going to let you explain it, but it's this new website. It's this new kind of venture for you. And it feels like it's a very different kind of direction than, you know, music dealers, which is, I think, where people really know you from. So talk about Desire List and kind of what this is and where it started. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been working with um, Spotify for about the last five years and really understanding their platform and what worked, uh, what didn't work, and what they did to create a better experience for consumers, for retailers, for the labels, for the artists, uh, for everybody. And um, I think that what playlists are in Spotify we've created uh, a platform for wish lists on desire list. Uh, it operates very similar. It's a very, very uh, similar experience, but it, it just allows you to make lists of all the products, experiences, expenses. You know, if you want to go see concerts, which concerts do you want to go to? Which restaurants do you like going to? And share those with your family or friends or keep them private or keep them in a small group. You can choose uh, who you're sharing it with. And it really enhances the experience around uh, gift giving at the end of the day. And that's, you know, when it's time to buy somebody a graduation gift or a birthday gift or a wedding gift or a baby shower, uh, there's $65 billion worth of returns in the U.S. for gifts. So that means that the gifts that we're trying to be thoughtful and give, people don't want them. They're returning them. It's a nuisance. It's horrible for retailers. Um, so this is a platform that should reduce that waste and really create more meaningful relationships. Because if you're being thoughtful and I give you something that you actually really want, you remember it, and it goes right. a lot further than if I were to give you a gift card for your birthday. Or, right. You know. So I guess kind of like, what was this moment where you're like, all right, music, sync, you know, like uh, marketing, working with artists, McDonald's, and then you're like, but also gift giving. <laughs> uh, it was, you know, we had some, some successes with music dealers, um, and there was a time, you know, I, I sold part of the company to Coca-Cola, and I wanted to show appreciation for everybody in my family who supported over the years. And, and, and when I wanted to go and get everybody gifts for the holidays, it was stressful. It was really hard. I had no idea what anybody wanted. But the worst experience was um, my brother was, you know, the number one investor, the first supporter of, uh, of uh, music dealers. And his four-year-old daughter, I wanted to get her something great. So I spent a long time searching for what I thought a four-year-old girl would love. And um, she was super excited when she was unwrapping it. And the second she unwrapped it, I knew I messed up. She just, she looked at it, she dropped it, she started crying. She goes, you are the worst uncle ever. And she walked out of the room crying. And it was heartbreaking, and it could have been avoided. Uh, and my brother, my, my brother was like, dude, why didn't you ask me? I've got a list of everything she wants on my phone. And I was like, I wish I knew that. I wish I had access to that. And that was literally the moment where I was like, there needs to be a better system for this. There needs to be a better way uh, so I don't go through this again. It, was, well, it sounds traumatic. It, was tra it sounds like horrible. <laughs> traumatic enough that I started a company to fix that problem. Uh, that's a great origin story born out of, like, real tragedy. I mean, that's, like, on par with, like, Batman. Yeah. So, uh, so Desire List, uh, is this live right now? People can visit this? 
Yeah, and I would love that. Uh, we're in beta testing right now. So we've been in alpha private testing for the last um, year almost, and now just going into uh, a public beta test. So it works. Um, people are getting gifts. I, I just got an, a new home, and everybody was bringing me a bottle of wine and saying sorry. They're like, I wanted to get you something for your house. I didn't know what to get you. Sorry. Um, that's not a good experience. So <laughs> I mean, You don't want to be getting yeah. things and having people be apologizing at the same time. Yeah. So I made a list of things that I actually want, you know, anything from salt and pepper grinders to, you know, whatever it might be, a, a vase, whatever. And uh, it's been working. I've been getting it. So um, and then we're doing a promotion, actually, that we're just launching right now with the People's Music School, uh, which is a Chicago based institution. It's been going for 40 years, completely funded by donations and cash. Uh, one of the problems that a lot of charities are experiencing now is that 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, they don't want to give cash because they don't know where it's going. Uh, they want to, you know, help. They want to give something to the kids that's going to be useful. So they made a list of all the products that the teachers want, that the students want, um, and we're just launching that. We did something with Chicago's House, which is another, it's a shelter in Chicago and um, looks after a lot of kids and, and families struggling with different different things and different needs. They made a list, Sam from uh, Moniker, uh, posted the list and in a couple days 48 out of the 49 things that these kids wanted got purchased um, by his fans by you know his network and and given to the kids so it's been a really nice experience so far but yeah I would love people to get on desirelist.com log in connect with me on Facebook first and you'll see you, you know we'll, we'll be connected in the feed you'll you can see mine and, and everything so so I know it's really early and I'm not trying to jump the gun on this but it's like it's in the beta stage now like is there anything you can talk about where it's like, this is where we hope it grows to, or this is like, here are our goals for this year, or like, you know, anything where you're like, kind of our large vision for this is? Yeah, I mean, the large vision for it, I want it to be an ecosystem, not just a platform for anything having to do with, you know, your retail experience, uh, whether it's for yourself or not. What we're seeing is that people are making lists that they're making public, but they're also making lists for themselves. And what's really interesting is, normally uh, two weeks after somebody added something to a list they're going back and purchasing it for themselves so it's kind of like a window shopping experience where you're looking at it you're putting it there you're thinking about it and then you're going and buying it for yourself so I would like to incorporate everything you know Groupon your daily deal your coupon cabin your you know select the um the stores that you're interested in and it will ping you every day right here on your pla on this platform and tell you which products that you have on your lists on your friends lists that are you know on sale i don't want it to be a discount uh site by any means but uh if you have something on your list and and samsung wants to contribute to you getting that samsung tv um you know by taking 30 percent off or whatever it is i think that's a, a longer term vision we have the ability uh, to be, you know, a reverse Groupon model. So instead of going and saying, hey, doesn't everybody want this 50-inch TV today? Um, it's turning around to Samsung or, or whoever and, and saying, look, these 5,000 people have this 50-inch TV. Like, give them, give them all a good price. Uh, right. And then you're providing, again, more data to the, to the brands and the companies, um, which kind of ties into the book as well, like where it's all about data and information. So I mean, that, that's the whole that's the whole play at the end of the day is like we could turn around for the first time. And, you know, Coca-Cola has been very helpful with this as I've been showing them the product and the platform and helping understand like where brands could have value and, 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 and bring value to it. Um, but we'll be able to turn around and tell a, a brand who wants their product, exactly who they are, why they want it, when they expect to get it. That information doesn't currently exist anywhere in one place. It's amazing. So you've got music dealers. You're still involved there. 
Um, what's happening with music dealers right now? So music dealers is in a good place. It's an interesting place. You know, it's eight years, which means that, you know, we kind of go out. We can't really claim startup anymore, um, which is uh, kind of changes everything. You know, from my perspective, uh, it's a solid team. It's good people. It runs well. It's pretty smooth. And the truth of the matter is our generation doesn't build a company and want to work there the rest of our lives. We want to, you know, keep moving, keep, keep growing, keep doing new things. So um, it's a really nice opportunity for me to be able to step back from the day to day, you know, focus on something new, but obviously uh, still maintain direction over the company um, uh, strategy and, and how we're working with clients and things of that nature. And it's nice. Yeah. So, okay, so the book, Return of the Hustle, The Art of Marketing with Music, it's going to be out at 420. Uh, you can pre-order it online. Desire List, just like desire and then list, one word. Desirelist.com is up and live right now in beta, looking for people to kind of like dive in. Um, it's a lot going on, man, and, and music dealers are still going strong eight years in. Um, this is exciting. Like... I guess any final thoughts on any of this, anything we missed, or just kind of like, how do you feel about all these kind of new, uh, you know, new opportunities on the horizon here? It's exciting. I mean, it's, you know, this is the world that we live in today. It moves fast and, you know, it's just, it's just like being a, an artist and, and putting out an album and knowing like, I can't, I'm not going to, you know, get a million sales tomorrow. So what else can I do to uh, enhance, you know, my, the product that I'm putting out, the album that I'm putting out, that's, you know, that's, the purpose of the book at the end of the day is uh, really showing the use of music, the use of um, music dealers and the services there and things of that nature, the data plays in. I mean, it, it's, it, it's all connected. It seems very different, but it's really all connected. It's very similar to, you know, the Cornerstone Agency has Fader Magazine and they, right. you know, right. one is a media channel and it promotes what they're doing as, you know, as an agency. And again, it, it, it it's really more linked than it than it might seem, but I don't know. That's that's our world today. It's exciting. Right on, uh, Eric Steinkopf, always doing amazing things. Always so like awesome to sit down with. Such a great interview, man. Thank you for always doing this. Um, you know, I always look forward to like doing some kind of collaboration or crossing paths with all the things you're doing, man. So it's always great to connect with you. Thank you. Always great to connect with you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcast. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, Dynasty Descent.